other time in human history, and there are still slaves in Kentucky. So don't imagine that Maggie's story is something that disappeared uh, somewhere into the pages of history. There are still people who live a life much like hers. Psalm 56. Uh, there is a very important verse in Psalm 56. You'll recognize its importance because it's repeated, and it is the verse that haunts us but also points us to the truth tonight. Let's look, take a look at God's word and talk for just a moment. Psalm 56. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They're always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, oh God, bring them down. You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. As, as I said to you in the first sermon, this theme of the fear of man, the fear of people, is, is, is throughout Scripture. And this is one of those psalms that speaks of it so beautifully. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can people do to me? This is a beautiful psalm of confidence, a psalm of deliverance, a psalm that reminds us that there is nothing to fear from people. What can people do to us? But when you really stop to think about it, people can do a lot to us. And actually the psalm is, is honest about that. The psalm doesn't pretend that people can inflict harm on us. As we said this morning, Proverbs 29 reminds us that the fear of people, the fear of others, it, it is a dangerous snare. Now, when you look at the story of a person like Maggie Delaney, or you think of a, a, a person like her, again, that, that image of that collared woman is, is so haunting to me, a person who, who wears a, a collar. But honestly, when you stop to think about our lives and people like you and me, there are a lot of us who have collars, but we wear our collars on the inside. You understand? We are not slaves in the way that Maggie uh, is an indentured servant, and yet we become so much in the control of other people. So stop and think about it. Uh, we become a slave. We become controlled by whoever or whatever it is that we feel like has what we most desire and need. That's a long sentence. Can I say it again? I'll try again. Uh, we, we become slaves to whoever, whatever it is 
that we feel like has what we need, what we most desire. And so this is the trap that we fall into. This is how we become sort of slaves to, to other people. Because other people can give us the affection that we crave. We crave love and affection. And yes, I can tell you that God is all you need. I can say that his love is enough. But we all know how desperate we can become when we feel like nobody loves us. And we understand that other people can give us that affection. They can give us someone warm to, to be beside. And honestly, most of us, many of us, would trade all of our freedoms just for the affection that other people can give us. It is it is terrifying for some of us to be alone you understand so so we need affection or sometimes just attention we don't even always care what kind of attention just don't ignore me and so for the sake of just gaining attention from people we'll do nearly anything just nearly anything to be noticed anything to be included just anything so that we're not ignored so that we don't disappear and become nobody you see, we desperately desire these things, affection, attention, or respect, admiration. We want people to think well of us and look up to us. And so we will do whatever kind of backflips we need to do in order to please people because we're desperate, desperate for somebody to say good job, desperate for somebody to make us feel worthy, for somebody to make us feel like we matter. We just want to matter. You understand? And certainly these are human needs. They're human needs. But we sometimes become so desperate, so hungry for what we feel like people can give us that honestly, we, we literally become slaves to them. We literally give up our, our freedom. We will literally do whatever it seems like people want us to do. We just will not say no. We will not draw any kind of boundaries. We just simply become what other people tell us that we have to be. We become slaves to whoever it is that, that seems to have what we so desperately want. And it's a trap. It's always a trap. Because other people, remember, they're not giants. They're just people. They're just people. They cannot satisfy us. That great need for love that I have, that you have, honestly, it is a need so deep that there's not a person on earth who can love me the way I want to be loved. Not my wife, not my son, not my family. Nobody can fill me up, and nobody can fill you up either. Our, our need, our hearts are just too deep. Nobody can provide the security that you feel like you need. There's not a person on earth. They're all just people like you. They're going to fail. They're going to fall. They're going to die. You just can't trust in people. You, you can't. The heartbreaking part about Maggie's story is that way that they traded their freedom for the hope of security. They felt like other people could give them security. And so they traded all of their lives in the end for that promise of security from other people. And your security will never be coming from another person. Do you understand? That fear of people is, is a trap. It leads to bondage. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, the psalmist says. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Well, let's talk about it. 
What can people do to us? Give me an answer. What's the worst they can do? Well, they can kill us. Yeah, I mean, the psalmist didn't put that in there, but it's part of the answer, is it not? What can people do to me? Well, they can kill you. I mean, honestly, they can. People can inflict all kinds of harm upon us, and there's no way to read this passage without at least stating that truth out loud. People sometimes could, could, could take the kind of power over us to literally snuff out our lives. I mean, I mean they could kill us. Or they could harm us physically in all kinds of ways. They can abuse us. They can batter us. I'm telling you, people can inflict harm upon us. In our day and age, we have a number of young men and women now returning from war, returning from now decades of war that we've had in the Middle East, Iraq and Afghanistan, the Gulf War before. We have this whole now generation of young men and women who are suffering from the memories. We have a name for it now. The Vietnam fellows had no name for their sufferings, but now we call it post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. When you put a name on it, it, it sounds simple, but it's not simple. This is what happens when someone has seen the worst that people can do, and they can't forget that. And so now, even though they're home and they're not on the battlefield anymore, they still wake up in the middle of the night flashing back, flashing back to what they've seen, flashing back to the evil and the cruelty and the meanness of people. They know what people can do, and it literally brings them out of a dead sleep in terror, even though the battlefield now is on the other side of the world. People who've survived rape or sexual abuse or or any kind of trauma in that way, you know that fear. You, You know how it comes back. You know how that sometimes that fear is so overwhelming. I mean, honestly, if you really pay attention to the meanness and evil of the world, would it not make sense to be a little bit afraid? I mean, when the psalmist says, why should I be afraid? I mean, has he never watched the 6 o'clock news? I mean, I can scare myself to death sometimes just watching the news. It's, it, it's, it's horrifying. It's, it's horrifying. But quickly, turn back to Psalm 27. Let's let's come to the Word of God and and remind ourselves what God says. Psalm 27. There's nothing new under the sun. And don't think for a moment that God's Word doesn't know about the dangers that lurk. But but you've got to understand the faith that we have. Psalm 27. This is good. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read till. to the Lord says, stop. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me. He will hide me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music 
Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. Honestly, people can inflict all kinds of harm upon us, but still the scripture reminds us we must not fear them. Jesus himself said, do not fear men, people who can kill the body, but, but instead fear the Lord who can cast both the body and the soul into hell. You understand? We don't fear people. It's, it's a trap. Now certainly experiences from your past can multiply and sometimes exaggerate that fear. But fear is not always necessarily logical or, or rational. And sometimes the fear that we have is something we have to learn to get past. It's not something that we should indulge in, rehearse, or surrender to. That fear that erupts in the middle of the night when we're no longer in danger, that, that, that memory of, of trauma past, you understand, that, that is something that we have to recognize that the Lord has brought us through. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? It's not that there are no reasons to be afraid. It's just simply the truth that the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's my salvation if I trust in the Lord to protect me, if I trust in the Lord to keep my life. If he is my light and my salvation, then honestly the things that I have to fear, they become smaller. They become smaller. Even the thought that my life could be snuffed out, that fear becomes smaller when I remember that the Lord is my light and my salvation. If you kill me, you're doing me a favor. I'm going to be with the Lord. All the days of my life, the one thing I seek is to be in his presence. I mean, once I settle that, if I'm not afraid to die, then honestly, I don't really know what kind of fear is left. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of course, again, now back to Psalm 56. I'm going to wrap up. Back to Psalm 56. It's not just that they can kill us and harm us and do all kinds of a, a world of hurt. Most of us don't really fear that. We haven't had those kinds of experiences, and, and that's truly not what we worry about. This morning, after the morning sermon, I had a little fella, and I love the kids in our church, and I take very seriously the responsibility to preach to them. But, but, but I preached this morning when people are big and when God is small, and I said that you have to fear God uh, more than you fear people, and, and that you have to make sure God is bigger in your life than people. And this little bitty fella comes up after church, and he says, Brother Tim, there are three boys in my class, and they bully me. They're mean to me. What do I do? You see, he's really not afraid they're going to kill him because they're probably not going to kill him. They're just going to run his pants up the flagpole. You know, it, it doesn't kill you, you know, to, to, to be pantsed. A, a wedgie won't kill you. But, oh, my goodness, that, that horrible feeling of humiliation. To, to be made a victim like that, to, to be put in that position of weakness by people who are physically stronger than you, to, to be called names, to be despised, to be rejected, just to be made a, a joke of. It, it's devastating. I, I know it's not like being killed or threatened or abused and all of that, but still, my goodness, that kind of fear, that kind of ridicule is something that really, really troubles most of us. It's not just the third grade boys. You understand? And so this fear of people, this, this real 
knowledge of how horrible it feels to be made fun of or just to be left out. Just to be the one kid in the class or the one person in the church or the one guy at work that's just never ever going to be a, a, a part of the, the circle of friends. That's just devastating and it's hard for us and it's a trap, the Bible says. It's, 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 it's a trap. Remember, when others seem to have what I feel like I need, I become their slave. And I need to be included, or at least I think so. I need for them to like me. I need for them to accept me as one of them. And so therefore, when I feel like that's being withheld, when I am bullied or made fun of, there's this horrible desire to do whatever I have to do to make them like me. Again, in school, we often call that peer pressure. That idea that, that I just simply have to do what I have to do simply to be liked or, or, or even loved. Again, our problem is that the people in our lives become bigger than God. It becomes more devastating us to imagine disappointing people or offending people than the idea that we might offend a holy God. Do you understand? That's why God must be bigger. He must be bigger than, than the people. I said in my own life in, in, in the first sermon, that this has been my real spiritual struggle. When it comes to idolatry, I'm really not a person who's tempted to put money or, or possessions in the place of God. That's just not the way I'm, I'm hardwired. But, but I have this tendency to put people in, in the place of God. Pleasing people has been my idol of choice. Did you know what I'm saying? And it is a, a trap. I myself become in bondage to what people want from me, what people ask from me. And I can begin working myself into an early grave just to make people happy. The problem is you can't please all the people all the time. As a matter of fact, you can't please very many people ever. You simply can't. It is a trap. It is an absolute trap. That's why I love verse 9 in Psalm 56. I love that last part. This I know. This I know. And what does the psalmist know? God is on my side. This I know. God is on my side. You know? So if you go to class and there are three boys who bully you, understand, you got to know this. God is on your side. They maybe can shut you out of their little, you know, three stooges, little group of bullies, but understand, they can't make God reject you. Maybe they can laugh at you and put you in that place of shame, but they can't make God turn his back on you. They cannot change what God says about you. No matter what they call you, the Bible says, in the Lord's own words, I love you, I have called you by name. You understand? It doesn't matter what they call you. I guess what matters is what you answer to. And you should only be answering to what God calls you. You need to understand that he never turns his face from you. Other people can do certain things to you, but they cannot affect the way the Father loves you. One thing I know, God is on my side. Well, okay, they can kill me. They can also just sort of leave me out or make fun of me. But there's also just a sense that Sometimes people just, um, they'll judge me. They'll, they'll, they'll make me feel ashamed of myself, and sometimes for no real reason. It's this verse here in, in verse 6, Psalm 56, where he says, they spy on me. They watch my every step. 
we all kind of relate to that, although it's hard to explain why that's just so unsettling. The fact that people are watching us, maybe every step. Indeed, that's just one of our most primal fears, that somebody's watching us. And we respond to that. It builds that fear of people in us. I'm one of those guys that in the car by myself, I'm a singer. It's like I'm on American Idol. I don't care what's on the radio. I will sing along. Anybody else like that? You with me? So I'm just, I drive down the road and sing, and I just forget because honestly, my car feels like a private space. Private space. The other day, I was coming back to church from the hospital. Yes, I'm your pastor, but I was coming back from the hospital, and I stopped at a stoplight, and I was singing. And uh, it wasn't Christian radio. I apologize. I'm sharing way too much. But uh, so I was at the, at the stoplight and I was singing, we are never, ever, ever getting back together. We are never, ever, ever getting, and I look over and there's this lady in the car next to me just going, yeah. and immediately, immediately, I'm so embarrassed, so embarrassed. I mean, immediately I'm just thinking, oh my God goodness, I look like such a fool. So after that, I tried to look really smart. <laughs> you know? Oh. Why do I care? It's just that feeling that I was having a private moment, you know, just kind of not thinking about how anybody was seeing me. And all of a sudden, I realized that I'm being seen. And, and, and automatically, I feel ashamed, even though I'm not doing anything wrong. And Taylor Swift's made a lot of money singing that probably a little bit worse than I sang it in my car. Do you understand? I got nothing to be ashamed of. But, but all of a sudden, just knowing that, you know, she saw me and I didn't know I was performing for her. It's just that idea that people look at us and, and watch us and they're going to see things and you don't know that they're seeing it. And that's terrifying for us. We want to know that we put our best face on before other people start looking and, and making judgments. But again, to close, Psalm 139, go back to that psalm, it's, it's a good one. Psalm 139, start at verse 1. I, I love this. Let this sink in. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. Okay, you're worried about being spied on. You're worried about what people see when they look at you. Understand, God sees everything. He knows everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel. You see me when I'm at rest at home. You know everything I do. You know everything. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Okay, stop right there. There's something in a way horrifying about that. If we were talking about another person, somebody who knows everything about you, you'd be getting the FBI and you'd be pressing charges. This is frightening stuff to think that there's somebody who has all that information on you. Because you know that they have enough to bury you. You know that they have enough to expose you for the person you really are. This is somebody who knows everything. Here's the beautiful part. Verse 17, this is the part that sets you free. What's the word of God say? How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. Are you kidding? He knows me. 
knows me. I wouldn't want you to know me the way he knows me because your thoughts wouldn't be precious. But he knows me. And I can declare how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. So you know what? I don't care about that lady at the stoplight. She doesn't know me. She doesn't know me. I don't know what she was thinking. I hope she enjoyed the song. It just doesn't matter. Because the one who really does know me has innumerable precious thoughts about me. So, why should I be afraid of anybody, any place? What can mere mortals do to me? Because I have a heavenly father who never turns his face away from me. I have a heavenly father who accepts me exactly as I am, and he knows how I am. He accepts me and loves me and thinks precious thoughts about me. That's just amazing. And I can trust him to protect me. No matter what happens to my life on this earth, I know that he keeps my life for all eternity. I have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. That's why... The book of Proverbs says that the fear of people is a dangerous trap. But trusting in the Lord brings security. Whatever it is that you think you most desperately need, you've got to understand there aren't any people alive who can provide that for you. Nobody can give you the security that you need. Nobody can love you like you want to be loved. Only God alone. Fear of people is a dangerous trap. Trusting in the Lord brings security. God bless you all. And God bless Carol Jarbo for what she has presented for us tonight. Amazing. And again, as I said at the beginning, uh, if you're really not aware of the fact that there are more slaves in the world today, I'm not making that up. We don't tend to use the word slavery, that term these days. You'll hear the term human trafficking, human trafficking, and we're talking about the buying and selling of human beings, most typically these days in sex trade. But it's devastating. It's devastating and something we need to understand. What Maggie Delaney, the story she tells, is still being lived out by uh, women and and girls and, and young boys all over the world. Uh, As Christians, we should be doing everything we can to see that they're set free. Any word from anyone before we're dismissed? Let's stand together and have a word of prayer. Brother Tim Mays, our chairman of deacons, would you dismiss us tonight with a good word of prayer?